0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can- cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest T-shirt known to man. A Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Fill out the quick Google form. Register for your points bet account and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt. And then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bear Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with SportsDrink. And thanks to Points Bet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> What's up, guys? Week number 10 already underway as the Thursday night game between the Panthers and Falcons taking place as we speak and uh, not looking good for me to uh, continue my, I think, two-week-long winning streak on Thursday night. Uh, Panthers kind of coming out on fire uh, there in the beginning, even though not digging the uh, black-on-black unis. Not a fan. Anyway. We're not here to talk about the Panthers and the Falcons. We're here to talk about our beloved Chicago Bears and their game this Sunday at home against the Detroit Lions, which of course means that one of my favorite guests is on the show this week, Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride uh, of Detroit. And, uh, you know, we, we share our pain in, in in rooting for tortured franchises and and teams that just can't seem to get over the hump. Uh, especially or or with any kind of consistency, because the Bears and the Lions have had good teams, but very sparingly, you know, 2011 for the the Lions, 2014 for the Lions, the Bears, 2010 NFC championship appearance, uh, 2018 uh, win the division, you know, wildcard exit. Unfortunately, I'm not going to count the team in 2020 because that team should have never made the playoffs. But, um, you know, but again, it's a lot of time since those two those, since those teams have taken the field you know 2010 2011 for the bears and the lions 2014 2018 those are the last teams of note that made decent playoff runs and things like that and it's uh, been a lot of heartbreak in between uh from there but uh so Jeremy and I express our uh <laughs> our our you know not so much regrets but you know our sorrow over what it's been like to follow these teams, and 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 what an interesting year both of these teams are having right now, despite their uh, losing records. So I mean, Detroit flying high on their their victory over Detroit, or excuse me, over Green Bay on Sunday. Uh, obviously, the Bears in a losing effort, but one of those games, one of those losses, like I asked for at the beginning of the season, one of those losses you walk away feeling good about because of the tremendous progress we've seen from our quarterback and the offense. In, in general. So, and an opportunity for both teams this Sunday to come away with a victory. You know, obviously I think the Bears are favored uh, right now, being the home team playing a little bit better than the Lions right now. But both of these teams have, have deep flaws uh, that makes this game extremely interesting, not to mention the fact that it's a rivalry game between the Bears and the Lions old division uh, rivals that go back you know over over a hundred games played between the two so on and uh, so forth so lots to talk about we got news and notes to get to so let's go ahead and get it underway this is the week 10 review excuse me the week 10 preview episode of the Bears talk underground so let's get to it Week number 10, uh, already in the double digits. That's heartbreaking for me. We're at the halfway point of the season, nine weeks down, nine weeks to go, and then obviously we get get to dig it out for a few more weeks in the playoffs. But, you know, with the way that our beloved are playing right now, we got nine weeks to go. So we'll see how the rest of this all shakes out. But a, a series of winnable games here. This Sunday against the Lions, next week against the Falcons. The Jets are tough, but that's a winnable game uh, as well. And then the Packers before the bye week. So these last four games here, we've got an opportunity to gain some ground from the hole we've kind of dug ourselves into uh, with the you know the slow start, if you will. So, um, but in order to get on some kind of winning streak, you got to win the first one. So this is the one we have to get because I think. Believe it or not, this is probably even out of those four games. Maybe, maybe we'll be favored against Green Bay if they keep going down the hole that they're going down right now, because their schedule does not lighten up at all. I was I was talking about it on the on the NFL preview show yesterday. They got Green. They got um, Dallas this Sunday. Then they're at Tennessee. Then they then they've got Tennessee three days later, four days later on Thursday night football. It's not getting any easier for them. so it's you know they very well could still be on this losing streak when they run into us uh, in Soldier Field four weeks from now. who knows but anyway, you know it's it's important that we we get off on the good foot here. Um, it's like this is the game that we're we're probably the only one out of the four quite frankly that will be featured or favored I should say. Because we'll probably won't be favored against Green Bay because it's Green Bay. And they always find a way to beat us, especially with Aaron Rodgers in tow. So we have to take advantage uh, of this situation. We have to play like the favored team. So we've been playing well on offense. We just need to shore up or at just, at least tighten up a little bit on defense. You know, with the way our offense is playing, the way they're scoring points. Yeah, just, you know. Obviously, you know, it's very difficult to shut a team out in the NFL, but like the Patriots game, 14, 17, maybe 20 points, that'll get us a win with the way our offense is playing right now. Just, just got to tighten it up a little bit, tighten it up on third down, get off the goddamn field. Help me out here. Anyway, big game for us on Sunday. We win this one. We could be on our way, you know, because the Falcons, the Jets, they're playing a bit better than us right now. I mean, the Falcons are losing right now. But anyway, these are all winnable games. Um, you know, the Jets have their flaws despite being a 5-3 and three football team or 6-3, and three, I think, uh, right now. Um, they'll definitely be favored, especially since that game's taking place in New York. But I, I, I don't think it's impossible to beat them. You know, they're playing well, but they're not world beaters by any stretch. So, Anyway. Let's go ahead and dive into this. We got news and notes. uh, Quite a few things to get to uh, before we get to our conversation with Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit. Uh, First thing on tap: Justin Fields, our beloved quarterback, who is skyrocketing up everyone's popularity contest levels right now. Uh, You know, for the for someone who four weeks ago was being written off. I don't want to. People weren't really writing him off as a bust, but they were kind of writing off the season because Ryan Poles didn't surround him with any talent or, you know, the offensive line wasn't playing well. And, you know, obviously and all that kind of stuff. So, but in the last three weeks, all of a sudden Justin Fields is being spoken of as the best quarterback in the 2021 class, even better than Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or, you know, Mac Jones, anybody else, David Smills, anybody in that quarterback class, Justin Fields is now being looked at as the best quarterback in that class, and because the the level of consistency he's had in the last three weeks since that mini buy, I mean, I saw a tweet that said, you know, that ten day break, 10, 11 day break between the Washington loss and the Monday night game against New England could be the turning point. I think I even mentioned it in the conversation with Jeremy. But um, you know, 123 yards passing on 17 of 28, a NFL record for a quarterback. 178 yards rushing and four touchdowns three three passes and one running touchdown and obviously that running touchdown was like the play of the week uh with the 61 yard uh run so he wins NFC player of the week uh for his efforts on Sunday against the dolphins and and I think what's what's truly remarkable about it is obviously we lost the game and he was still the best offensive player that the uh NFC had to offer uh in week number nine so big ups to uh Justin Fields for his um uh, you know kind of meaningless award let's be honest but uh it's it's a nice tip of the hat to the effort that he gave on Sunday in a losing effort so um I I, I saw the press conference with uh coach uh Eberflus this week uh saying uh, uh blazing game Corey blazing game our fullback will be the honorary captain of the week to go along with uh Justin Fields, um, I'm forgetting his for Cody Whitehair. I was going to call him Corey for some reason. What the hell's the matter with me? Uh, <laughs> it's it's getting late. My brain is kind of fried. I went and saw Wakanda Forever uh, tonight. Uh, that's why you know. Got in about 45 minutes ago. I had a little dinner, watching the game, and here I am um, recording the show. Uh, but yeah, to go along with Fields Whitehair. Uh, Eddie Jackson and now Justin Jones replacing Roquan and and Robert Quinn. So he will be the honorary captain walking out with the other four for the coin toss uh, this Sunday. Uh, A couple of roster moves made by the Bears uh, today. Jake Tongas, fullback slash tight end, was waived uh, today to make room on the roster for linebacker Matt Adams, who is going to be uh, activated from uh, injured reserve. I don't know if he's going to be playing on Sunday, it would certainly be a boost to our linebacking uh, core because right now we have, um, I think, second and third string guys uh, playing uh, along with uh, you know, Nick Morrow uh, out there. He's the only guy that's from week one that's still out there for the linebacking core because Matt Adams got hurt, I think it was against um, Minnesota with the, I think it was a calf injury or something like that. He left the game early in that one. <clears throat> and um he's coming off of uh, injured reserve them but um so but he's being activated to the roster so i assume that that means he could play on sunday he's not on the injury list uh as well we'll get to that uh in just a moment um but that is the the roster move unfortunately uh Tongass is uh well he's on waivers i don't know maybe maybe we'll bring him back on the practice squad if he clears waivers uh tomorrow but uh we'll have to wait and see uh on that one Bears posted a uh, new video for the on their YouTube channel, the 1920 football drive uh, video. It was uh, it was okay. It was interesting. Uh, Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham, our general manager and assistant GM, uh, kind of follows them around as they you know uh, uh, you know go around the country looking at uh, prospects and at you know going to. Going to games live instead of like watching film on, uh, you know, in the in the film room or on television or, or what have you, to, um, and talk about them talking about why going on these trips themselves uh, is important. You see things when you're standing on the sidelines that you wouldn't see on film. Ian Cunningham talked about how something that that he really likes to keep an eye on is how his teammates react to. Him, you know, just speaking in the general uh, term, uh, say the guy scores the touchdown when he comes back to the sidelines, are are people, you know, high-fiving him, patting him on the helmet, patting him on the back, coming in, you know, sitting with him and all that kind of stuff? Or is this a guy that when he comes back to the sidelines, no high-fives, no praise, no nothing, he sits down on the bench by himself until it's time to go back out on the field, something might not be right there, you know, whether it's – you know, a relationship with his teammates or maybe it's a personality thing or or what have you. It's like these are the kinds of things that, you know, you want to know. Is the guy going to be able to be part of the culture or is he just going to be a football player? And it's like you want somebody who's going to be ingrained, somebody who loves to be there, wants to be with his teammates and is playing for his teammates as opposed to just being a guy going out there for himself, you know, to make money or something like that. So. That was the one thing that I that I, that really interesting that I found was that you know those are the kinds of things that they're looking at because I think they walk into that situation already knowing who's talented, who isn't, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, they go there with names on a list, and it showed like uh, they made a couple of stops uh, on the on the trip. Like I, they were also kind of talking about like how convenient it is to have access to like private jet to so that they could actually go to like two games in one day uh, kind of thing like they started in South Carolina for Clemson Syracuse and then finished the day in Tuscaloosa to see Alabama uh, and Mississippi State uh, kind of thing and and you know saying that you know how it's uh, convenient to have that uh, access so they can you know kind of really you know to cover as much as they they can, and on those respective stops is what I was getting at was you see them on the phone or Ryan Poles on the phone with the area scout, the guy that basically lives in that area going around, and, and that's his section of the country that he goes to, telling them where he's going and, and what people to expect. and They never mentioned any names, but they did, uh, he did mention like the defensive lineman for Clemson when they were going to the Clemson-Syracuse game you know, these guys are beasts, they're animals, and blah, 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 keep watching for these guys, and so on and so forth. They didn't really allow, you know, to get into specifics, you know, just to kind of not look at who the, or give away who it is the Bears are actually maybe interested in kind of thing. So, but that was uh, kind of interesting. Nothing, you know, nothing like the Rod Marinelli speech, uh, you know, during a training camp and all that kind of stuff, but but interesting nonetheless. Uh, moving on, uh, Equinemia St. Brown, our Troubled wide receiver, had some trouble sleeping, or I, I, th- I guess he said the, uh, I read that he didn't sleep on Sunday after dropping that pass uh, on fourth down. and um, Those are the kinds of things you want to hear, not because I wanted Equinemius to St. Brown to suffer for not catching that ball uh, or anything like that, but more to show that he cares. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's good to hear that it bothered him. Uh, and, and I, and I mean that in a positive way that, that it, it bothered him enough. He had trouble sleeping. It, it meant something to him to let his teammates down like that, you know? And I, I think that's, that's also something that will motivate him to do whatever he can not to have that happen again. So, I mean, I, I look at it as a positive thing that he had trouble sleeping on Sunday night when he dropped that pass or let it get through his fingers or, or, or whatever. But, um, He's got something else going on this week because his brother, Aman Ra St. Brown, is a wide receiver for the Lions, and they got a little bet going on, uh, $1,000 uh, on the table uh, between the two brothers, and, um, you know, be a little family pressure uh, because because they're, they're playing each other. Uh, Mom and dad are flying in from California uh, to be there uh, to watch the game, kind of a two birds with one stone uh, type deal. So you got that. Mom and dad in the stands kind of mixed on who they're rooting for. Maybe they'll be the ones out there with the the half jerseys, you know. Amon-Ra on one side, equinemious on the other. I Yeah, I think you'll probably see something uh like that. I remember who it was that did something like that. Cuz I think it was like a Bears Lions game, but it wasn't the wasn't the the Browns. And when I say the Browns, I mean Equinemius and Amon-Ra. Um I think you know what it was uh, the Fullers, actually. When we had Kyle Fuller on the team and his brother played for the Lions, I think his his mom or his dad were out were in the stands with a with a uh, jersey cut down the middle, Bears on one side, Bears on the right, Lions on the left, that kind of thing. I think that's who that was. Anyway, so they got a little you know a little bet going on between them. Family's going to be there. Watching the game as well, so there's a lot on the line for the for the Brown brothers uh, this week. Not just uh, you know bragging rights in the division, and you know being a game up on each other, and so on and so forth. So a little money in there make things interesting uh, for it. I wonder if uh, the NFL might have an issue for that. So might have an issue with that with the betting or whatever. We'll see. But um, speaking of the NFL. Uh, the NFL uh, through like inside sources, this isn't uh, something that was announced. I don't think, but um, apparently when, you know, the bears issued a complaint or I don't know if, if it went so far as to call it a protest or whatever, but Eberflus uh, is talking about it on Monday where, you know, every week they send plays into the NFL, basically talking about how a call was missed here, or this was a, a bad call or something like that. So the NFL can review it. I think this is something pretty sure this is something all 32 teams do. And, um, the NFL had basically admitted being wrong on penalties that hurt the bears on Sunday, uh, against the dolphins. And the two in particular are the pass interference call on Eddie Jackson. Um, you know, saying that he was, it, you know, interfering with Jalen Waddle, uh, on that uh, pass interference that gave the Dolphins 47 yards of field position. Um, and also, that so that should not have been called. And the pass interference that wasn't called on Chase Claypool should have been. So it doesn't necessarily make anything better. Um, I don't think anyone's going to sleep any better knowing that uh, from the NFL. In fact, that might make things worse. However, I think uh, as a fan it's it's a little bit of uh as a bears fan I should say a little bit of validation in in the in the vein of it's not just us belly aching because we got wronged by the officials which is something that a lot of quote unquote losing fans say on Sundays when things didn't go the way ah we got screwed by the refs and I was like well NFL actually admitted that we did get screwed by the refs. So it's not just me and sour grapes and belly aching over nothing because my team lost. We actually did get screwed, and the NFL agrees. So that's where the validation kind of comes in. Speaking of validation, wrapping things up here, I don't usually talk about this, especially this year, because the Bears have been at the bottom uh, of this list. But I found it interesting when I was going through headlines, seeing what I want to talk about, what I don't uh, in the news and notes section. uh, The Bleacher Report power rankings this week. I I would love to know when was the last time this happened, but the power rankings have the Bears ahead of the Packers (laughs) right now. I mean, we're not like blazing up the the board or anything like that. The, The Bears are 23, Green Bay is 24, but, you know, I just enjoy seeing stuff like that. You know how Packer fans can be. Our good friend Evan Western, kind of an exception to the rule, but nonetheless, most Packer fans are dicks. And I and I would just, you know, even in the pettiest of ways, I would love to, you know, love to rub things like this in their faces right now. It's just like, oh, look at that, Green Bay under the Bears in power ranking. That's gotta hurt. So, yeah, that uh, that was fun to see. When it came to uh, when I saw that um, on the uh, Bleacher Report app this evening, when I was uh, compiling notes and, and whatnot for uh, for the show, uh, to see that it's just you know like I said it's it's one of those things where even if just for the pettiest of reasons you enjoy sticking it to a uh, Packer fan, that one feels pretty good. And finally, our injury uh report. We have six names uh on the list. Uh Josh Blackwell, one of our special teamers. Um nursing a knee injury was limited on Wednesday, full go on Thursday. Uh Dane Crookshank, one of our reserve safeties, was out with an illness on Saturday, was full go, excuse me, Wednesday, full go on Thursday. Tevin Jenkins. Listed with a hip injury, nothing on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. But he was also on the injury list for a a back injury. It was kind of heart-stopping seeing that on the injury report, but he was full go on Friday and played, obviously, on Sunday. So maybe this is just much ado about nothing, maybe some tightness or something, some soreness, nothing to worry about. Jalen Johnson with an oblique injury was limited on Thursday, not on the list on Wednesday Al-Qadim Muhammad and Kendall Vildor both with, uh, or one with uh, Muhammad with a knee injury, Kendall Vildor with an ankle, and that, that ankle injury happened during the Dolphins game for Vildor. Neither one has practiced with the injuries this week, so that could mean um, maybe seeing Kyler Gordon on the outside this week as opposed to being our inside nickel guy, maybe put him on on the outside where I think he would be much better, quite frankly. Um and Muhammad going down means that we'll see, um, oh, God, was it like Kingsley Jonathan or something like that? And that's seriously that kid's name. Um, hold on. Yeah, Kingsley Jonathan, that is right. It's, I did not get his name backwards. His first name is Kingsley, last name Jonathan. Probably see some more uh, rotation if, uh, if he doesn't play. You'll see him and obviously Giffson. And um, Dominique Robinson uh, getting heavy rotation if he can't go uh, on Sunday. So there you go. That is our injury report, and that will do it for news and notes. Let's go ahead and, and bring in our good friend Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit to preview this very interesting ball game between our Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions for week number ten. Week number 10, our beloved uh, stay home for the second week in a row. And this time we will be hosting the Detroit Lions coming in at a half game behind us, two and six uh, to our three uh, and six. And here is always to help us preview this ball game. Our good friend from the pride of Detroit. It's Jeremy Reisman. Jeremy, welcome back, man.
1: Hey, nice to talk to you again, Larry. How have you been?
0: Uh, Good, man. It's been four months, actually. I was just looking when we were uh, when I pulled it up on. Skype, uh, July 7th, the last time we talked, and here it is, the 9th of uh, November. So, four months, bro. Yeah, and we're just where we expected to be. Just about, yeah. <laughs> just about, you know. When we talked over the summer, it was like one of the frustrating things about going into the season was that, you know, hearing the talking heads say how awful the Bears were going to be, and it's just like, I don't know how you can say that because even Bear fans don't know. What we what with what to expect this year, this brand new offense, brand new head coach. We're we're changing back to the four, three from the three, four. Will these guys be able to shift into the defense? Will the offense work? Will it will all of that putting our guys in the best position to succeed stuff? Will that just be talk or will they actually be doing it? If something doesn't work, will we shift gears and try something else uh, kind of thing? It's like, I don't know how they can say it so confidently. You know, how they could say it so yeah. confidently and, and, uh, and everything else. And that was the other frustrating thing was you and I talked before the preseason started and then we watched the preseason and then the <laughs> Bears seemed to get better each week during the preseason. And mm-hmm. then, you know, for the first six weeks of the season, it looked like that never happened right. because our offense just flat out disappeared uh, for those first six weeks. So it was uh, it was fr- and of course, the Washington was rock bottom. National TV, those god awful, goddamn orange uniforms
1: <laughs> that I hate more than anything on this planet. I'm glad you say that because oh, they were I'm awful, right man. I wasn't sure if that was just me and nope, my, like not my late Bears you. hate. Nope, nope. Okay.
0: Nope. <laughs> nope. Hate them with every ounce of my being, and I'm a big guy, Jeremy. So, uh, yeah. So we got that ten day break between Washington and the Monday night game against New England, and then. It was like a night and day thing as far as the offense yeah. is concerned. And that turns out that that wasn't a fluke because we backed it up. We're averaging 31 points a game these last three weeks. So it's like I can't – I'm excited to see what's going to happen uh, going forward uh, from here. And uh, we just found out today Justin Fields is the NFC Offensive Player
1: of the Week. Or, or is yeah. it the league? Was it the NFC or the NFL? NFC, right? The NFC, okay. <laughs> Because you know, you know who the NFC defensive player of the week was, right? I'm guessing it's probably one of your guys, since you seem to bring it up. It sure was, it was How about safety, that rookie safety, uh, Kirby Joseph, who picked off Aaron Rodgers twice last week.
0: Yeah, once on a deflection, and the other one, he just stepped right in front of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, the the fourth person ever to pick off Aaron Rodgers twice in one game. Tracy Porter was one of the other ones. Hey, there you go. They Look at that. that they
0: did it in that Thanksgiving game in 2015. <laughs> one of the greatest <laughs> Thanksgivings of all time. <laughs> The Bears beat the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay on national TV on Thanksgiving night on Brett Favre, Jersey retirement night. That was a milestone victory for the Chicago Bears, man. They, you know, they brought Bart Starr out of his corpse and everything, you know, (laughs) they, you know, wheeled him out there on a, on a, you know, golf cart and everything. And he was, you could see the pain that he was in just trying to stand and hug Brett Favre. And we ended up win won that game.
1: Like, can we just can we just turn this podcast into remembering the times our teams beat Aaron Rodgers or I, I that might be a short podcast. It would be so. a short podcast. It'd <laughs> be a glorious one, but it'd be a short one, that's for sure.
0: But uh you know, it's um yeah, that was a uh that was a good night. That's yeah. for sure. Um but let's talk about your guys uh real quick. For the second year in a row, uh week 1 they're at home and for the second year in a row, they get they get way behind on their opponent as far as, like, you know, I think Philly was leading, like, 35-14, 35-21, something like that. At one point, you guys come roaring back 38-35, and then that's as close as you got, weren't able to close the gap, same as it was with the 49ers last year. They were up, like, 33 to something early in the game, and you guys came back and made it a one-score game uh, at the end. And I was like, okay, so here we go again, with the Lions and having just watched them on Hard Knocks and everything, you get a really, a really a good sense for what's going on with the team or how together they are as far as you know, like playing together and all that kind of stuff. And you know, seems like they're going to be a tough out uh, this year, and they might actually win uh, some ball games. And then fast forward to Week Two, you beat the Commanders at home, which we effectively could not do a few weeks later on sure. Thursday Night Football. Uh-huh. Uh, huh. but then, uh, yeah, everything kind of went sideways on you guys after that. Cause the first four weeks, you're the number one offense in the NFL, but you're also the 32nd defense <laughs> yep. scoring defense in the league. And then after the Patriots game, it kind of flipped all of a sudden. Now you're allergic to scoring points for against the Patriots, against the Cowboys. And then the offense comes back last week against the Dolphins 31, 27, you guys come up short there and then a 15-9 to 9 barn burner, you beat Green <laughs> Bay this past Sunday. What's
1: the deal with the team, man? It's like Jekyll and Hyde, uh, yeah, game it, in and game out. It's it's discombobulating. It's, it's hard to follow. I mean, offensively speaking, I think a lot of that is just driven by Jared Goff, who is an inconsistent guy in general. He's he's a guy that days you, you look at him and you'd be like, okay, this is the guy who went to a Super Bowl and, and nearly won one and then you get look at other days and you're like okay that's why Sean McVay you know sent the the draft picks for the next 5 years yeah to get him out of the building um and so you, you look at the job he's done here and the first 4 weeks we, we we actually pulled our, our Pride of Detroit audience after those first four weeks. He'd thrown, like, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. Obviously, like you said, the number one offense in the league in terms of scoring at that point. 70% of fans thought he was going to be the quarterback of the future then. I wasn't one of them, to be clear. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's how much people had bought into Jared Goff, and he's just been kind of a disaster since then. I think he's thrown three touchdowns to four interceptions since then. Wow. And fumbled it away three times, so... Um, His inconsistencies mixed with, I think, a lot of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, DeAndre Swift was a huge weapon in those first two games of the season, um, averaging like 8-6 a carry. Hmm. Uh, but he suffers a, an ankle injury and a shoulder injury after that, misses the next three or four games. He's played the last two, but he's gotten about 10 snaps in each, so he's not really a huge factor in that. Right. DJ Chark is on injured reserve. Josh Reynolds has been in and out of the lineup. Is he on um, season-ending? Injury no. reserve or that four-week we'll see in a month kind yeah, of injured reserve? Yeah, he, he should be back next week, I okay. think is the expectation. But, uh, but, yeah, this is week four, so he won't play in this game. Um, I'm on our St. Brown. Uh, got a high ankle sprain in, I think, either week two or week three. He's been fighting that off. Like I said, Josh Reynolds in and out of the lineup. I'm not sure if he's going to play this week. You trade away TJ Hawkinson last week. So now the offense doesn't have any weapons, just like it kind of didn't at the uh, beginning of last year. And so that's not helping at all. Um, defensively, though, I just... Uh, defensively, it's just a bad roster. It's a bad young roster. And mm-hmm. they're starting four rookies right now, um, which, you know, bright side is, okay, you're, you're drafting pretty well if, if four guys are, are good enough to be starting for, for you guys. And we're not just talking about for some second-round picks. We're talking about, um, you know, sixth-round pick Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, right. Rodrigo. Really well. Rodrigo, that's right. Um... And so, I think I think it makes sense that they're starting to get better. Um, you know, now now that we're two months into the season, these guys are are, are getting their bearings. I, th- I don't think they're good yet. Um, I, I think I think you do have to kind of look at strength of opponent a little bit here because, as, as much as Aaron Rodgers is is still will still do some things that'll make your jaw drop. Yeah, that's not a good offense right now. So holding them to nine points, I mean, that's good, but it also relied upon Aaron Rodgers throwing two red zone picks. Um, they, they, they were driving ball. They probably should have scored more points than they did. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the Dolphins the week before just steamrolled the defense all day. Um, so, I, I mean, I think if this team ever settles down and, like, the injuries kind of settle themselves a little bit because they've just been beat up on both sides of the ball all year, I think you'd find that this is in a good to potentially very good offense when when all the offensive pieces are there, and then a bad to very bad defense that is still young and, and hopefully getting better by the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I think we're in the same boat uh, on on defense because we have um, at least well, we definitely have two rookies starting in uh, in our top two picks, Brisker and and Gordon, in the secondary. Uh, Dominic Robinson is a fifth-round pick. He's in mm-hmm. rotation at defensive end, even more so now after the trade of of Robert Quinn. Right. Um, and also I heard uh, Al-Khadeem Muhammad is nursing a knee injury, so he might not play, which means more playing time for him this Sunday uh, as well. And, you know, it's like we just jettisoned Roquan Smith and we got rid of Khalil Mack in the offseason. Uh, and everything, and we switched to the four three. So this defense is nothing like it looked like right. a year ago uh, at this time. And um, so I mean I think we're we're in we're we're in similar ships as far as defense goes. These are young guys that are you know trying to learn how to play together while also trying to learn how to play in the NFL exactly uh, at the same time. And um, you know we're definitely taking our lumps. That's for sure. You know especially these last couple of weeks for the Bears. The defense is giving up forty two and thirty five. Oh, I take that back. Forty two and twenty eight, because a touchdown a piece for the for the uh, Cowboys and the Dolphins came via other units. And, like they had a fumble return against the Cowboys and a That's punt right. block against the Dolphins. But twenty eight yeah. and forty two, not a recipe for success regardless right. of your team scoring 31 points a game for the last <laughs> three weeks. I mean, that's how you can score 31 points a game and go one and two in those three games because your defense is a swinging gate just letting everything right through. Yeah. So, But um, a couple of games I want to talk about because I've been, I've been doing an NFL show this season, so I've been a little bit more ingrained uh, in the league. I've been watching um, the NFL recap highlights on YouTube to kind of mm-hmm. get a sense for the games and stuff like that. And there are three that I want to talk about. Really okay. Quick. Okay. Number one, the Vikings game. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I remember telling you last year when we played week four early on, after you came up just short against the Ravens, you had to give up an NFL record field goal to lose that one. And yep, you, got that on, you got screwed on a penalty on that one too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, there were a couple of other instances going into that but it's just like oh the, you know you 17 you had the you had the lead on green bay at halftime mm-hmm. uh you know that kind of thing if you and i told you then it's like if you guys just figure out how to play a 60 minute game you're going to yep. you're going to be trouble and right. the lions game is an example of not playing a 60 minute game <laughs> as a matter of fact they were like taking quarters off because they were up 14 to nothing they they give up the they lose the the lead they get the lead back and then they disappear again yeah. in the fourth quarter for Minnesota to come through there at the end but th- this was before I started watching the highlights I was more like reading stats and, and reading the, the the rundowns and stuff like that I didn't know about Dan uh Campbell going yeah. for it on fourth down like 48 times in that game yeah
1: uh yeah and listen I'm I'm very much of the belief especially when you're not a great team like, like the Lions aren't, go down swinging. I'm I'm almost, you know, I'm almost right there with Dan Campbell. And I it, it, I know it drives some fans crazy. He did it again in, in this past week, and it almost cost him the, the game again against the Packers. Yeah. Um, but the, the one, and this was by far the most controversial move that he's made so far, and he actually said in the press conference after this Vikings game that he made a mistake. He 100% regrets what he did which was uh, actually not going for it. It was taking the foot off the gas that that he got slammed for the most because the lines are up three points, fourth and four. Ops to a 54-yard field goal with a kicker who had missed a 50-yarder earlier in that game to potentially go up uh, six. And they miss. They give the Viking good field position at the 44, where I think everyone... Everyone in that building did not have faith in the Lions kicker in that moment. They wanted him to either, uh, even a punt was a better choice there because you'd have to force the Vikings to, you know, at least go the majority of the field to at least get a field goal. Right. Um, the Vikings have half a field and, and go for a touchdown instead. And, and then they do it game, in like so. two
0: plays. Three, yeah, three. Like back-to-back uh, <laughs> plays
1: to K.J. Osborne and it, the game was, you know, gone. Yeah, pretty much. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had, they had a 10-point lead in that game with, with 12, and the ball. With like 13 minutes to go in that game, and uh, and they blew it. And that's, you know, if, if this if this team was better, and you know, in the wild card race, mm-hmm. that is a game that would just drive us crazy to look back on and be like, that was a game that was in your arms and you just let it slip out against a division team, against a team on the road. This yeah. team hasn't won a road game under Dan Campbell yet. Wow, um, is yeah. that right? Yeah, and wow. so this, so you know, obviously that's that's one of the talking points going into this Bears game is. You know, it's, it's, it's maybe a chance for them to get off the schneid here. But, uh, you know, as, as I'm sure we're going to get into, I'm not, not feeling great about the matchup this week.
0: Yeah. All right. So the game, the other game, the second one that I want to talk about is the game immediately after, home against the Seahawks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I picked you guys to win this one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the two teams together combined for 93 points. So you're out there trying to break the damn scoreboard with all the scoring. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and everything. But it's like what really got me was that I did watch the highlights of this one. And it seemed what 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 really got me was the the way that the Seahawks were converting on third down mm-hmm. by running the ball. Yeah. And there was one play in particular, it was like third and fifteen, so they're running to just give themselves more room to punt or turn, basically trying not to turn over the ball. And Penny turns it into a touchdown run. Yeah. Um and you know, it was another one of those games where it's like you guys have no problems scoring points. Every every score from Seattle is answered by one of your own uh, as well. But in the end, it was just too much, 48 points, too much to uh, overcome. And it was really kind of also kind of like the first inkling that maybe Geno Smith is on to something here with Seattle. Right. You know, it's like this guy literally slinging it all over the field and they had a complimentary run game and blah, blah, blah. But. Uh, and all that kind of stuff but it was just like dude the lions it's like two weeks in a row that they're just you know banging it out but they they just let it go in the end
1: yeah and i think that that was either one of two or one of three games the lions didn't force a punt um, wow. which will give you a sense of how bad the defense has been at times um but yeah that that third down run I you know i think the lions just sold out on pass on it they i think they blitzed off the edge and, and left the middle wide open and, and yeah, Penny turns it right into a touchdown but um, the Lions, have, it's interesting I think at the beginning of the show you were talking about how you know, the Bears were talking about fitting their scheme to their players and right. switching things up when, when they're not working that's the one thing that I think Dan Campbell should deserve a lot of credit for um, because you look at last year the, the offense wasn't working for the first eight, nine weeks of the game, so what does he do? He he demotes Anthony Lynn midseason. And says I'm t- I'm calling plays now, mm-hmm. and it works. It works. They they look a lot better in the in the second half of that season, and that carries over when they promote Ben Johnson to offensive coordinator this year. Now now you go into this year. Defense is the problem. Defense is horrible. Last week, right after the, uh, what was the the game that the the, uh, the uh, Dolphins the Dolphins game? Yeah, Dolphins just absolutely killed the Lions for four quarters, what do they do? Make a very unpopular decision of firing the defensive backs coach, Aubrey Pleasant. A, a guy who's, by all means, a an excellent communicator, a guy that players absolutely love, and, and someone who who has played the game and, 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 and has a, a knowledge of, of the system. And what happens? They go out and get three interceptions off Aaron Rodgers. They get nine passes defended. They had 18 total passes defended going into that game, so they get half of that in one single game and and the best defensive back performance we've seen. And so he's, he's not afraid to shake things up. He's not afraid to look at some of these performances and be like, well, I'm not just going to sit on my hands and and say, and just teach it harder. Let me, let me teach something different. Let me switch things up. Let me move guys around. The the lines have been, you know, benching regularly on defense and just looking for that right combination. Like you said, Mm -hmm. you got a bunch of young players, find the right combination of young players that works well together. And that's what they're doing, and I think I think you look at that Seahawks game as, as kind of one of the, the straws that broke the camel's back because just, you know, an awful defensive performance.
0: Yeah, because it's, I mean, in today's NFL, even with all the scoring uh, and everything, the point totals that you guys brought on <laughs> in the first five, six weeks are supposed to be enough to win every single game. Yeah. You know, 27 points, 24 against Minnesota, certainly 45 against the— <laughs> Seahawks but even last week against the Lions 27 points and that's supposed to be enough just just like with the Bears we've we've averaged 31 points these last three games we've only won one right. of those games because we gave up 42 or you know speaking totally 49 and 35 points in these last two games despite the fact that we were averaging 31 um you know it's like when you score thirty one points a game you're supposed to win a lot of football games and yep you know it it's not a good uh not a good recipe for uh success so it's it's certainly something that that you know like something needs to change something needs uh to happen and um you know the third game was in fact a Packer's game that I wanted to talk about because i you know I was watching the the highlights on that one rather closely because of obviously you guys coming up this Sunday uh, and everything, and also wanting to know how it was, you know, Green Bay, just how awful they've been lately. I mean, they actually yeah. gave the Bills a game last Sunday, and then they come into Detroit, a team that they regularly beat quite handily, which, you know, we are very familiar with and sure. all that kind of stuff. And and. <laughs> You guys beat them 15 to nine. It's, and I remember t- I texted you during the game at halftime. I was like, <laughs> and your your response was golden, by the way. But it's like, <laughs> hey, man, it's like I, I, re- I was doing my NFL show, and I said I picked Green Bay to win this game, but I would not be surprised at all if Detroit walked away with this one. It's just something about the feeling I get about the Packers. Like, if I could go back and do it again, I would have just gone with my gut and picked the Lions. It's like, but – it's the Lions. I can't. It's and <laughs> Green Bay's got to snap out of this eventually, right? I right. mean, what better opportunity than right now against the defense that's struggling, that's given up a ton of points lately? And this is like heaven for for Rodgers and company. If they're if there's a game where they're going to get their offense right, this is the one. Yeah. You know, and nine points, three red zone turnovers is just like. And then watching it, it was just like I'm watching them piss this away. You know, it's like, all due respect to Eras it's like, you guys made the place. You absolutely made the place. But when the perspective that most people are going to have is like Green Bay's choking their ass. They're getting into the red zone. They're going up and down the field, getting in position to score. And then they're just falling apart in the red zone, turning the ball over and coming away with nothing. If they settled for field goals, they win the game. You yeah. know, if they settle for three field goals, they win 18 to 15, you know, to add on to what they already did. So it was just like... Man, what is, like, I just, like, let's talk about that game, dude. Cause I, <laughs> number one, how awesome was it to watch? I mean, you were there. How yeah. awesome was it to watch Aaron Rodgers shit to bed in person?
1: I mean, that had to be great. It, it yes, absolutely. <laughs> and at, at about the end of the first quarter or so, I turned, I turned to my buddy who, who works for me at Pride of Detroit and, and gets to go to the games with me as well. And I said, you know, this could be the last time we see Aaron Rodgers live. <laughs> Yeah. And I can't think of a better way to go out. Like he was screaming up a storm after every bad throw that he made. Yeah. And and yeah, to just like to see an Aaron Rodgers the Aaron Rodgers era in, in Green Bay, and, and maybe this isn't the end of it, maybe it is. Um, you know, a guy who is tormented Lions fans and Bears fans, and put up point after point in that same stadium. He had the Hail Mary that Lions fans are never going to forget. To see all of that peter out to a nine-point performance where he threw three interceptions, the most he's ever thrown in a game in his career, (laughs) and get picked off by a rookie twice? Yeah, that had to be sweet. That was great. It was amazing. It It was great. What I
0: forgot to mention, though, was your response when I sent you that message saying, I wouldn't be surprised that you guys are scrappy. The Packers are playing like crap and all that stuff. You're like, dude, you can't send this to me at halftime. You cannot send this to me. I was like, oh, no, I don't mean to jinx you. I'm just saying, you know, you guys are, are making me look smart as far as, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit won
1: this game. You guys are winning. How about that? Eight nothing at halftime. It's not like you had a whole lot to worry about. Well, but here's the thing. Prior to that game, the Lions had not scored a second half point in four weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. yeah they've been scoreless in three straight games in the second half they only put up seven in this one but that that turns out to be enough right um so yeah I mean I like you kind of pointed out in some of these other games the Lions have had two, second half leads in in I would say at least half their games this year and and just petered out in this in the second half or whatever that Cowboys game a couple weeks before that they were they' were up I want to say 10 no they were down 10 six but they were they were at the one yard line in the fourth quarter down 10 six. They end up fumbling on a one yard line. Oh and my god! It, yeah, no, it, it was it was a disaster. But yeah, I, it's it's funny when when you were kind of explaining the the Packers Lions game just a minute ago, it it really it reminded me of the the Lions Bears game last year at Soldier Field. Mm. I don't well, I don't know. How well you remember it, but oh, I do absolutely. The Lions yeah. had red zone trip after red zone trip after red zone trip. And and zero points up. to show for it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think like it was four trips, either in the red zone it or was, on the Bears' side of the field. Yeah, it was definitely three. Definitely, yeah. like, maybe there was a fourth
0: one, but there were three for sure. Where there was a turnover on downs and two turnovers. Yeah, that ended those drives in the, uh, the and and my favorite turnover of all time. Your your quarter your center. Yes, snapping the ball into Jared Goff's chest, <laughs> bouncing into the arms That's of right. defensive tackle Bulau Nichols. That's right. And That's I, I don't. Right. I was like, I don't know if that went down as an interception or a fumble, but it's definitely <laughs> a turnover, literally out of nowhere. Like Goff was looking at something, making some kind of adjustment. Ball yeah. gets snapped right into his chest. Fumble, f- interception, whatever turnover for the Bears going back the other way when it looked like the uh, the Lions were about to put it on
1: the board. Right. And so to see, I mean, that sort of stuff is par for the course for Lions fans like that. Like, of course, yeah, we're going to blow leads. We're going to blow opportunities and lose a game to see the Packers, a team that has just been defined by yeah, how steady and solid and, uh, you know, obviously not, not winning Super Bowls as much as they probably should be. But to see them kind of implode like that was just like, oh, that yeah. can happen to them too now. That's I like that. It's was like, oh, my God, the football gods are,
0: you know, even in this thing out, it's about goddamn time. Right. So, yeah, I mean, well, that was the thing, like that 2015 game that I talked about. That game ended with Rodgers four straight shots into the end zone from like the 10 yard line. And we turned right. him away each time to to hold on to the to the victory. Right. You know, I mean, it's like it's Rodgers. He's inside the 10. He's going to do it. You know he's. This is what he does. Over, especially to us. If it was anybody else, I'd be like, ah, fifty fifty. But it's like it's us. It's like yeah, it's about ninety five five that he's gonna pull this off, and uh, the five percent won uh, that day. We turned him away on four straight shots to get the ball in the end zone to take the win, and we we came away with like a seventeen thirteen win. That uh, was uh that was a pretty glorious. The food never tasted so good, Jeremy. Let me tell you, on Thanksgiving Day, <laughs> food never tasted so good. So. So let's talk about this game we got coming up here uh on Sunday. Um you and I were were chatting a little bit beforehand before we started recording and both talking about how like we're 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 cautiously optimistic, but also kind of expecting the worst right. uh coming uh this weekend because my defense is awful. Your defense is awful, giving up points, and you know, your your offense has the potential to be dangerous, and my offense is heating up. So it's gonna be more like you know, which which side is going to actually come away with this thing uh on Sunday is it's gonna be exciting trying to
1: find out how this is actually gonna go down. Yeah. It it should it should be interesting because I think as I mentioned kinda of going before we, we went on there, it feels like the fan bases of each team is weirdly in a good place right now. Um, because obviously Bears fans are excited that they may actually have a quarterback for the first time in in a very, very yeah, long for time. For more than just one year at a time. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Lions fans are, are feeling good coming off of, a, a you know, beating a rival, beating Aaron Rodgers and, and a bounce back defensive performance and led by a lot of their really young players. So mm-hmm. um, I think I think both of those can get derailed in a hurry if they <laughs> lose this game, <laughs> um, depending on how they lose it. Like if, if this is a shootout, I think I think both teams might feel OK about that. Mm-hmm. Um Less so maybe the Lions fans because they're hoping that the defensive improvements they made last week are more long standing. But I'm not one of them that's expecting it. I guess. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's an interesting matchup. It's an interesting place for both teams to to be in. But um, you know, not nothing close to to a must win game for either team here. I think it's just it's a nice litmus test because I think both teams are kind of in similar places in their rebuild and i know the sure. lions are you know quote unquote one year ahead but they also had a lot less i think to work with at the beginning of the rebuild than than the bears did although they're doing a a pretty thorough tear down oh, yeah. themselves but but yeah. you know having having a potential franchise quarterback can speed things along pretty quick um so i don't know yeah i i don't really know what to expect and i don't know what my expectations are or you know how i'm going to feel on the other end of it if the lions win if the lions lose but uh I don't know. Like, I don't. I, I guess I don't feel like the competitive edge I usually do in this matchup. I guess just because both teams are like, okay, you know, there's not, there's, there's just. I guess there's just not that much on the line. It's weird because you're right. it
0: doesn't feel like there's much on the line at all, even though there's eight games left in the season. Um, nine for you guys, right? You've already yeah. had your buy. So yep, yep. Um, you know, ours is coming up, and um, you know we still got half the season left to go and you know, I think both of us are looking forward to 2023 already. I mean, certainly every sure. Bear fan is because we're going to have, well, right now it's eight draft picks. We'll see what polls can sprinkle fairy dust on and turn that into. Cause he turned five picks going into last year's draft into 11 somehow. and, you know, we have eight picks, and oh, yeah, we have the most salary cap space in the league by about $40 million this year. So, right. you know, I don't think that means Polls is going to go crazy signing checks to anyone who wants one, but he's certainly going to have the money to get anybody he wants. Um, So if if he gets a bead on on somebody, like, God forbid, if there's a Taron Armstead available this offseason, he's not getting out of Chicago without a contract. He will be able to offer him the money to make him sign with us uh, kind of thing, as, as opposed to being so pinched for pennies that we really couldn't even have a discussion <laughs> with Terrarian Armstead last year. That's why he was playing against us on Sunday instead of playing for us. Right. Um, so, you know, but we're also enjoying this year, especially the last few weeks since our offense has woken up and Justin Fields is making everybody out there who had anything to say about him in those first 6 weeks eat a big bag of shit uh, <laughs> lately you know anyone who was just who just immediately wrote him off just that he's done he's done and you know like I, I don't know how many times in the first 6 7 weeks i saw the you know the, you know the memes or the graphics or whatever ranking the 2021 quarterback class and seeing fields at the bottom of it i saw one the other day he's number 1 now you know, even ahead of Trevor Lawrence, even you know, ahead of it um Mac Jones and all the kind of stuff. I and mean, it's not even close at this point. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's like if he keeps this up, I mean, it's just what every Bear fan was hoping was that this guy was not supposed to be there at eleven. Going into last year's off season, he was number two behind Lawrence. Like he was going to the Jets when the season ended in twenty twenty. Going into the twenty twenty one season, he was going up he was going number two. To the Jets. Can you imagine the team the Jets would be right now if Justin Fields was their quarterback instead of Zach Wilson? Right. I mean, yeah. they'd be contenders for sure. So, I mean, it's it's just amazing that we do have him and, and what he's blossomed into in these last few weeks. <sighs> Man, it was beautiful. That's that touchdown run against the Dolphins was was yeah. was
1: awesome. It was so good. One of the best plays of the season, yeah. I would say. For I love that course.
0: little pump fake to the middle where the guy yep. he froze the guy and then Next thing you know, he's just blowing through guys and running in from 61 yards out. It was beautiful stuff. So, um, you know, I I just – yeah, it's been funny because I've – I've been critical of him, but I'm not, I've never gone out and said, well, he's done. We're obviously right. picking a quarterback in 2023 with the top five pick that we're going to end up with and all that kind of stuff. It was like, no, let's use that top five to get a tackle or a pass rusher or another wide receiver maybe instead of drafting another quarterback You know, kind of thing. Let's not start over again. Never mind this, this, um, this, this concept of my guy when it comes to GMs and quarterbacks. And things, you know, it's like polls wouldn't have taken this job if Justin if it wasn't for Justin Fields kind right. of thing. Or at least it was a big deciding factor for him, or so he says. Uh anyway, so but um yeah. this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Points Bet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and Points Bet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can, cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t shirt. And then finally, you upload your proof of deposit uh as well once you submit our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you and once again that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts once again sportsdrink.org slash shirts guys i'm in my 16th season doing this show it's the first time i've had a shirt available for my podcast i'm so proud to finally have one and i want you to have it so follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock underground t-shirt today and thank you to Bet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to Points Bet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> Speaking of which, what do you, what do you guys think now? Because I know you said four weeks ago Jared Goff was the quarterback of the future and that you were going to build around him and all that kind of stuff. But where's that at now, especially since we're going headlong into one of the better-rated quarterback classes in, in, uh, since 2021, I should say.
1: Yeah, no, I think we we actually ran the same question this week and we don't get the poll results for another day or two. So I'm I'm very curious to where it will be, but I'm expecting it to be below 20%. Right. Um yeah, no, I think I think most people are are out on golf. I've I've been out on golf for for a while. I mm-hmm. I always kind of viewed him as a bridge guy and I was I was happy to to let him prove me wrong. Um but as, as each week goes by, it becomes clear and clear that that guy just needs an absolutely perfect situation to succeed. Meaning, yeah. a really, really good offensive line, a stacked receiving core, a good run game, and sorry, this is the NFL. You're you're very rarely going to have all of those things at once, if ever. Um, injuries are going to happen. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to just build the perfect offense. It, it it doesn't it doesn't exist. The Lions clearly need a guy that's going to elevate everyone else. Rather than everyone else elevating the quarterback, so um, to me, I, I I think it's a no brainer that they're going to draft a quarterback next year. Um, they obviously have two first round picks, and that second one coming from the Rams, who are not playing particularly good football right oh. now. I think that pick is currently twelfth, so that means yeah, it's like they're two,
0: only half a game behind the Bears, or you know, yeah. only a game or so behind you guys, yeah, uh, yeah so. as well. So I mean, you could probably package those up with. Uh, second rounder or a third rounder or something like that to move up to get Bryce Young or, uh, yeah, whatever, you know, quarterback you guys want to get your hands
1: on. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we could be looking at two top 10 picks and they also have that extra second round pick now too, mm-hmm. with the TJ Hawkinson trade with, with the Vikings. So they're stacked with, with draft picks. They have enough draft capital. Obviously you, you still need to find a team willing to trade out of a spot where there's a quarterback. And unfortunately for the lines, there are a lot of quarterback needy teams that are currently at the top of right. the draft order. So it, it could complicate things, and maybe they they don't have the opportunity to grab the the, the guy that they want. Yeah. There's still plenty of needs on the defensive side of the ball, but um, yeah, I think I think we're getting closer and closer to you know the 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 end of Jared Goff in Detroit, and they might still keep him around for another year. I think I think they may prefer to have a rookie quarterback sit for as long as possible sure. uh, before they play him. Uh, but you know, some, some people even view, and I, I don't think I shared this to you, but I, I thought it's an interesting kind of opinion that they thought the TJ Hawkinson trade was a sign more so than anything that the, that the lines are done with Hawkins, uh, done with Goff because that was a security blanket. That was, really? that was the guy really good. They became very, very good friends. Um, it, it's, last year, especially they were just like, they were connected from huh. training camp, um, in terms of both on and off the field. And so he was he was mad last week. Jared Goff. I mean, My he's bad. usually kind of testy with the media, but even more so, uh, he tried to have like this whole opening statement about the trade, and you know said like, okay, that's all I'm going to say about. It. And then of course, you know, media asks him like four or five more questions about sure. T.J. Jackson, and he gets testy, and he and he just said like, I hate it. Like he he straight up said like, I hated the trade. I hate it. Um, and so you know, th- I I think there's there's maybe some smoke there of like, okay, if you're trading away your quarterback's favorite weapon. Maybe, maybe you're starting to build a vision without him. Maybe that, maybe that is what's happening. Um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I do think golf gets at least a little bit benefit of the doubt because of such a lack of weapons mm-hmm. around him. I mean, I'm sure that's what a lot of you guys were saying about Justin Fields last year. And even at the beginning of this year, it's like, okay, well, who's he's, who's he supposed to throw it to?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing with, with fields was that even the people that we expected to be there to help him, have been in and out of the lineup for one reason or another all season long. Right. Uh Valus Jones was supposed to be an early contributor. He's he was injured for most of the most of the preseason and the first 4 3 4 weeks of the season and then he's barely seen the field since because if he already lost his punt return job and he's only running like maybe a handful of plays here and there as kind of like a gadget guy uh on offense when you know, the thing that irritates me is that all I saw during the preseason was him was Fields throwing bombs to Valis Jones, excuse me, uh, over and over again. I was like, where's that play in the playbook? You know, it's like, well, they ran <laughs> right. it against Dallas and he dropped it. I was like, oh, that's where it is. So never mind. Uh Byron Pringle uh has been injured uh left and right. It's like we lost Tajay Sharp, who did well uh in the preseason uh as well and you know because Darnell Mooney was out there with literally no one, he's being you know, covered by any and everybody, which is why I was through the roof when we, dra- when we traded for Claypool yeah. last week. Because if at the very least, it's going to take pressure off of Darnell Mooney. They're not right. going to be to just focus on him because we literally don't have anybody else. You don't have to worry about Dante Pettis or, or uh, Equinemia St. Brown or, or anything like that. St. Brown is a hell of a blocking wide receiver, but he's got, as we saw on 4th and 10 against the Dolphins, Butterfingers. Yeah. Right through his hands. Right <laughs> through his hands. Ugh. Again, don't know what would have happened if he caught it, but he he dropped it, so we'll never know. So, <laughs> right. Uh, but it's just like that's been the case. I mean, not only have the weapons not been what you would want to go with, but we've also been rotating guys in and out because of injuries and uh, and all that kind of stuff as well. And – It's like we're getting everybody back. Like, Byron Pringle is in his 21-day window to come off IR right now. Uh, We got Claypool now. Uh, Obviously, we have Mooney. Cole Komet has emerged three touchdowns in the last two weeks when he had gone 30 games without a (laughs) touchdown catch. The last one was against you guys, like, week 10 of 2020. (laughs) That was the last time he caught a touchdown pass until he caught it last week against the Cowboys. Um, And then he caught two on Sunday against the Dolphins. So... You know it's just like we're it's it's all starting to kind of come together now along with the fact that that fields is being more decisive he's being more confident with his throws, whereas like earlier in the season it was ten of twenty two eleven of twenty five now it's seventeen of twenty three and you know just like he's 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 making more completions like and the yards will come uh with that uh as well so i'm uh i'm i'm ex- i'm excited about seeing where this could go and you know Maybe if we do draft a decent receiver to go along or maybe somebody becomes available during free agency or something next year to go along with Claypool and Mooney, then we really have something on our hands, especially if Cole Komet's going to keep ascending the way he has uh, lately. But speaking of tight ends, mm-hmm. what is with you and Minnesota? Like the GMs trading <laughs> in division with each other. Like you guys did it in the draft, and yeah. now you're doing it again. It's like wh- – don't you guys it's like seriously bro what the hell whats sending TJ Hawkinson in division when they're on a 6 game winning streak it's like why are you helping the rich get richer here what's the story with this
1: yeah it's pretty weird right um but Brad Holmes has, has said he said it after the draft and he said it after after this trade like he doesn't care about like he's he's not afraid of the boogeyman when it comes to trading in the division he thinks that's an archaic way to think he thinks it's his job as a general manager to get the best deal that he possibly can. And if that, I mean, he's, he's showing enough confidence in himself where he thinks he's making the right deal that he's willing to take on the consequences. Like he even said it, like I know when we face Minnesota and TJ Hawkinson scores a touchdown against us, the cameras are going to pan to me and I'm okay with that because I still think I got the best deal here. I think I still think I made the right move that's in the best entrance of the Detroit lines. And so I think he's just more inwardly focused when it comes to situations like that and not concerned about what it does for the other team specifically an in in-division team which is I don't know it's, it's it's an interesting way to think I don't know if I agree with him or disagree with yeah, him and time just, will tell uh, if he's r- right or not but like here's the thing if you think you're making a really good trade if you think you 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 know you robbed the other team of of draft picks you, you know you you really tipped the scales in your favor wouldn't you want to do that to a divisional foe more than anyone else
0: I don't know, man. I just I don't see Gutikuns taking polls, calls on, you know, <laughs> like, hey, sure. I've got this guy. Give me a second, and a third, and a fourth next year, and it's a done deal. Uh, Gudekunst isn't making that phone call. He's not taking that deal, man. I think your guy Brad Holmes from Los Angeles doesn't quite get midwesterns and midwestern loyalty uh because he's just like what are you doing man you're 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 making deals with the devil here as far as as most people are concerned in in well in this area of the country anyway
1: right yeah so, it's 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 odd it's it's definitely sure. uh not conventional um and 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 he's putting his reputation on the line so he must very he much he must have a lot of conviction with what he's doing because, well, yeah. I mean,
0: Poles did the same thing trading yeah. uh, Roquan Smith. That was not a popular move. Sure, uh, I personally didn't have much of a problem with it. Um, you know, obviously, you hate to lose Roquan. He, this guy is a bear, and he's you know he seemed to fit right into Chicago and in the team. He's a great player, um, but he's he's the defensive Allen Robinson, in my opinion, because yeah. Allen Robinson wanted $20 million a year from the Bears. But every time it came time for Allen Robinson to make a $20 million a year play, he came up short. And Roquan Smith is in the same boat. You know, yeah, he's a $14, $15 million guy. I'd have no problem slapping that amount of money on the table for Roquan. But giving him 20, resetting the linebacker market for him? Absolutely not. Because every time that one of those plays comes up, Roquan misses the tackle. He'll overrun the, the gap or something like that, and the play will go sideways on us. He's, he's not a, a Fred Warner. He's not a uh, Bobby Wagner. He's not a Shaq Leonard. Those guys make that play every single time. They are worth the money they're making from their teams. Roquan, on the other hand, he's definitely top tier, but he's not elite, unfortunately. You know, And this is not me pissing on a guy that's not longer on my team. I've been saying this even before. With, I mean, that's been my belief that he was Allen Robinson and the fact that he wants this money and we might end up paying it because we don't want him to hit the market and play for somebody else. I don't think he's worth it. I don't think he was. I felt that way about Robinson. I felt that way about Roquan. So it was like Poles made the deal, the best deal he thought he could make, Yeah, you know, getting something for Roquan instead of letting him go for free or having to pay him top five money to put him on the franchise tag. So it was kind of like lose lose across the board no matter what he did he's losing something. He either loses the player, he loses too much money or or both in in some cases so get him, get him away, get some draft capital to try to help the rebuild in 2023. So you know, it sucks especially for the defense. We miss him for sure, right. but it was it that, was necessary and and uh, you know, I don't ultimately I don't have a problem
1: with the trade. It was it was a complicated decision for sure. Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of people that that don't even think Line, off-ball linebackers should be should be getting huge paydays. I'm not sure I'm one of them. I, I think I think a lot of people are trying to retroactively downplay his impact on the defense. But you know, it, it, it's also not easy to, to fork over that kind of money for for a guy who, I mean, there's a lot of change, a lot of moving parts on that Bears defense already, and, and yeah. you're never sure if if he's going to fit what they're eventually trying to do. Well, I mean, it's, we're doing the same thing that we did in 2015
0: when Vic Fangio. Came into town and we switched from the four three two, the three fours. Like you got to tear it down to the studs and build it up again. You know, it's like by the time the Bears became the number one defense in the league in twenty eighteen, which was Fangio's fourth season with the team, I don't think there was anybody that was on the team in twenty fifteen that was playing on that defense in twenty eighteen. I mean, that's how how mu- how many changes they made and and you know what they did to get the personnel to fit the the new scheme. And I think that's what we're doing now is that it was, you know, Roquan isn't a good 4-3 inside linebacker or a middle linebacker or a will or whatever he was trying to be. But you saw him on Monday night against the Ravens. He was all over the field because they're in the 3-4, and that's what he's familiar with. So, you know, he's going to be better for the Ravens, and we're going to be better off with whoever it is we can put in his spots and, and and go forward uh, from there. You know, those extra draft picks will will uh, will help us out with that. I mean, it sucks to see him go, but... You know, I only yeah. have to I only have to hate Roquan when we play the Ravens. So, you know, now is now I don't have to hate him every week when he doesn't make a play that a twenty million dollar player would make. So, you know, it's it's complicated, but uh, it 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 is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, so what's the offensive line situation uh, with you guys? Because that's something that's been like I think in, in nine games the Bears have had six or seven different configurations. Uh, up front, and I think the one that we had on Sunday is our is our best one. It's still not the best one that we could have because Lucas Patrick is out with a toe injury on IR. But Riley Reef at right tackle, somebody you're very familiar with. Sure, Tevin Jenkins, who was drafted to be our left tackle of the future, has been a beast at right guard. Sam Mustafer, God bless him, he tries. Uh, Cody Whitehair came back healthy against the Dolphins, and then Braxton Jones, a fifth round pick at left tackle uh has been solid for especially for a guy picked at the near end of the fifth round uh and coming in day one as a starting left tackle in the nfl so i mean he has his rookie moments uh and at times he shows us why he was a fifth rounder but for the most part he's out there getting it done you know you guys from time to time have invested
1: quite a bit in the offensive line how is that working for you guys now it's it's getting there um they've had to obviously wrestle some of their own injuries uh at the beginning of the season they, they lose right guard halapuli Vati Vaitai in the first week of practice um back injuries now now he's on IR never got to play uh, a single game so we were, we were looking going into the season thinking finally we're going to get an opportunity to see all five of the starters play t- together because they didn't get a single snap last year and very first week of the season that dream goes out the window for the entire season as well. Wow. Um. So that was frustrating. Um. And then Frank Ragnow gets a a toe injury, the same toe injury he had last year. Just a to the t- I should say to the same toe, not the same toe injury. That's been lingering. He's been on the injury report I think for the past six weeks. Um. Missed a couple games there. Um. They they were missing their left guard Jonah Jackson for a while. He's finally back. Um. So there, there's a bit of stability now because. Everyone, I think, is in the place that they're going to be for the rest of the season. You could argue one of their backup guards, um, Tommy Kramer, um, who also got injured at the very beginning of the season and hasn't been back since. He might step into the starting lineup at right guard over Evan Brown, who was the team's backup center. Um, but everyone else is in place. You know, Taylor Decker, steady left tackle. Panay Sewell having a great second year to a great first year. Um Frank Ragnall, like I said, back, and, and then Jonah Jackson is back as well. So I think overall, it's a very solid run-blocking group. Pretty above average, I would say, pass-blocking uh, group as well. For some reason, the the advanced metrics don't seem to agree. Um, You know, you look at, like, pass-block win rate, run-block win rate, and some of the PFF scores, and it doesn't make a ton of sense to What's me. What's the criteria for that? Do you know? I think pass-block win rate is you have to basically not give up a pressure in the first three seconds of a rep or something like that. Uh. Um, I don't know. So yeah, yeah I, I think, at one I think point, it's still a very good unit. Um, go ahead, and I'm I think, sorry. I think a lot of the, I, th- I think they're still getting dragged down by basically starting a third and fourth string guard early in the season, which is what they had to do in like weeks two and three, which is ironically when the, the offense was its best. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to what's happening, Yeah, but all to say that I still think this is a top 10 offensive line now. And it's especially now that they've, they've settled in.
0: Right. Yeah, I've always been confused about the pass-blocking win rate. Because I'm pretty sure I can eyeball what a run-block win looks like. Um, but pass-blocking... And, and, and here's what, what really made me uh, question it. Was that Sam Mustafer's worst performance of the season was week four against the Giants. He absolutely got his ass handed to him. Left, right, and center. No pun intended. <laughs> and he measured out... As like the number one center in the league, after that game, and I was like, "How in the hell <laughs> is that possible?" Okay, it's like he was a huge problem in that game, and somehow he was the number one rated center via Pro Football Focus or or whatever by pass block win rates. Like, there's no way, there is no way. Uh, I mean, unless the criteria is half a second, he was getting murdered left and right uh, in that one. I mean, what's his name uh, out there in, um, oh, the guy with the funny name in uh, the, for the Giants defensive core was in Baltimore last year.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah,
0: I can see the guy's face. I can't <laughs> even think of his name. But anyway, he was defensive coordinator last year, and he served Justin Field his lunch with the Ravens, and they pretty much did it again uh, against the – Giants and what he did was kind of like loaded up the middle of the field with the biggest defensive lineman he could find and just rammed him right up the middle uh against him and and Mustafa was just getting crushed uh in that game and somehow he graded out as the number one center uh in football after that game I was like well this system is broken there's no way in hell that's true so um but yeah it's uh (laughs) Because uh, I was I was wondering, like, how much of the offensive struggles were due to the offensive lines struggling. Because in the first few weeks of the season, that was definitely a huge problem for us. Like I said, we were putting yeah. basically moving people in. And for some reason, we started the year rotating uh, Lucas Patrick and Tevin Jenkins at right guard. Like, every two series, they would swap out. One would be on hmm. the bench, the other one would be oh, in Oh, jeez. Well, because Patrick broke a thumb in, in preseason, so he couldn't play center. He, he did it on his snapping hand, of course. So he couldn't play center, but he was ready to play by week one. So he played with the with the fist for the first you know like few weeks, and they would rotate him and Jenkins in and out of the lineup. And the only thing that put a stop to that was when Cody Whitehair hurt his knee uh, against the Giants. So P- Patrick had to play left guard, and left Tevin Jenkins in there at right, which was a revelation because he's playing at like an all pro level at right guard. It's remarkable. And then finally. We, we finally get Lucas Patrick in there. And Sam Mustafer must have made a deal with the devil for his soul or something. Because literally, like, in the first quarter of the first game where Lucas Patrick is finally playing the position that we signed him to play, he gets hurt. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's a toe injury. And it must be a – I don't understand this thing with toe injuries. That thing must be sticking sideways off the side of his foot or something if it's enough to put you down for weeks and, at a time. Or like uh, Ragnow. Yeah, and he hurt his toe against the Bears Week Four, and he was done for the year.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a, he's dealing with another toe injury right now. It, yeah, it's, it's a, he he missed one game with it, and it's just been he's been on the injury report, missing a practice a week essentially, but playing through it all. Man. And you, I mean, you can see it when these guys walk too, though, man. It it must be excruciating. It, yeah, I, yeah, I I can't even imagine. Yeah, well, I mean, especially
0: a, a pro football player's tolerance right. for pain. Right, if it's enough to put you down, it's got to yeah. be something. So, I mean, there must be bone charge or something in there uh, right. or whatever that's, you know, if, it's, if a toe injury is going to put an offensive lineman down for the year. Wide receiver, a DB, maybe even a quarterback, I could see it. But a lineman? You're not moving around that much out there. <laughs> it's, you know, you're on your heels, not your toes. Or I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But anyway, so let's wrap <laughs> this thing up, man. Um, sure. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday, hoping that there's no weather factors. Yeah, Uh, in this one that would be nice, and we can just go out there and play some football because it's you know you and I talk about this every time we preview one of these games. It's you know the 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 Packers are our arch rivals, but our best rivalry is with the Lions, right? Because of those games that we play against each other, how competitive they turn out to be. It's you know throw out the record books, you know that kind of uh, kind of thing. You guys win sometimes, we win sometimes, and that's just how this. That's what makes it exciting about right. playing these games is that each team goes into it thinking they have a chance to win as opposed to, like, when you play against, you know, recently Minnesota or, you know, in the past the the Packers, it's like, yeah, we're going to need about six or seven things to go our way in order to pull this thing out, some turnovers and a bolt of lightning to take out Rodgers <laughs> in the first quarter, and, you know, right. or we can need, you know, Shea McClellan to drive him into the ground and shatter his collarbone. That'd be good, <laughs> but, you know. Right. That kind of thing. So, I mean, that's what makes these, these games uh, interesting. And um, still trying to find a game that you and I can do for my Retro Rewind series during the off-season. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. Sure I think what's been more of a challenge is trying to find video of the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because the one that I really wanted to do was actually the game that I personally attended in Detroit in 07 which was when you guys rattled off 34 points in the fourth quarter to beat us. (laughs) Um, But because the Bears, the score was, I think, 10 to 3 or 13 to 3 or something like that, and the final score was like 37 to 29 or 37, 31. So both teams really just one score after another there in that fourth quarter. But um, I can only ever find video of just the fourth quarter. Right. But um, yeah, we'll we'll either that one or we'll have to figure out some other some other game to do. Maybe we'll do the one where Matt Stafford tried to throw DJ Moore into the stands by his neck <laughs> and when he grabbed him by the face mask. He was pissed off that he threw an interception. Man,
1: that game was insane. That yeah. game was
0: bananas. So, but you know, we'll find something, uh, you know, up
1: to do. It's like what you know. What are you looking for from your team on Sunday? Oh man, I'd like to see them bottle up a mobile quarterback. That that'd be nice. Uh, but I don't expect it to happen. I I mean that to me is the the key matchup because even last week against Aaron Rodgers, um, he he was able to convert I think a third and ten and a third and sixteen or something. Yeah. just by running it. And you know I, I I watched what happened last week against the Dolphins. I think Justin Fields had about five or six of those. Oh yeah. And, well, I mean he had
0: him against the Cowboys. He had him against yeah. the Patriots. And it's so, really become a thing since the
1: since the mini buy and I, I mean that to a defense, I don't know if there's anything more frustrating is that you, you play good first down football, you play good second down football, you play good coverage on third down, and, and some in some of these like you have a dedicated spy, and there's nothing you can do yeah. and, and it, it's why you know it's, it's interesting three or four weeks back, the Lions linebacker coach Kelvin Shepard was asked about using a spy, and he said he hated it. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use, I don't think it works at the NFL level. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think Justin Fields is is proving some of that true because if you have a linebacker on a quarterback like Justin Fields, one-on-one in an open field, who's going to win that? Yeah. 10 out of 10 times. Well, I mean, the other thing is Fields is
0: as big as a linebacker. Just about. I mean, he's only about 10 or 15 pounds lighter than what an NFL linebacker goes for these days uh, in the NFL. You know, it's like they used to be, or at least they used to wear larger pads, Right. Anyway, because linebackers used to look like monsters in the 90s, and the early 2000s, because they had shoulder pads that looked like they were carrying, you know, dumpstruck on, the, on their shoulders <laughs> uh, and everything. But it's just like a linebacker. Like, I think Roquan weighs about 230, 235 or whatever. And Justin Fields is 6'2", 6'3", 220, 230 pounds himself runs a 4'4". Right. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's not a done deal when you're one on one with a linebacker as far as the linebacker winning
1: that battle. No. And, I mean, you, you hope, like, the linebacker funnels them into to other help and, and things like that. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Dan Campbell even said today, like, yeah, a spy has to be part of the, the game plan. Putting pressure on him has to be part of the game plan. Getting into zone coverage so that you can keep your eyes on the quarterback has to be part of We have to throw everything. We have to try everything against this team because he is such a dynamic guy. And, unfortunately, like, the, the Lions have just been horrible at it all year. Jalen Hurts ran for a bunch of yards against them. You know, even... I mean I feel like just about every week someone ran for a first down so one quarterback and and it doesn't matter who and so when I when I look at what Justin Fields has been able to do over the past 3 weeks past 4 weeks whatever you want to say it's it's terrifying because I really the only way you can stop something like that is you have to be so disciplined in your rush lanes you have to get the pocket to enclose at every single level at at, at every like at the same time too like yeah. it just has to surround him at the same time and listen the lines up, defensive line isn't good enough to do something like they're getting better you you know they got Aiden Hutchinson and they got Josh Pascal their second round pick is playing pretty well but they don't have that great of an interior pass rush and if you if you only get pass rushing on you know push on the edges like there's going to be lanes for him to escape and so i i don't i don't know i like i don't know how they come up with a game plan that that's going to stop him. And it's not like this is now like cats out of the bag for, for the bears. Like they've been doing this for the last three, four weeks now. <laughs> and o- other teams know, like this is, this is what you have to do. Stop him, And they haven't been able to stop him. And like you said, good defenses. Yeah. Not, not the dolphins so much, but right, the, the Cowboys definitely a really good defense. Um, Patriots statistically. Anyway, Patriots. Yeah. Very good. Better than, than you'd expect. And so, yeah. um, you no, know, the, the Lions are, are are nowhere near those kind of defenses right now. So th- that's kind of where my entire focus is on this matchup, even though, like, if I want to be optimistic about it, well, all I have to do is really look on the other side of the ball where the Bears aren't really stopping anything, and they're right. especially bad against the run, and the Lions have a very good run-blocking unit. I don't know if Swift is going to play in this game, but he's like the ultimate equalizer, I think, in this game. If, if Swift can somehow... Look a lot healthier in this game, and and maybe actually get some carries because really they've mostly been using him in the passing game right now because I d- I think they just don't think his body can take the between the tackles kind of grind right now. Um, but if they can somehow get him more than five carries on the ground and and maybe break out a couple big runs like he was doing early in the season, well, maybe they can keep pace. But I'm just it feels like one of those games where the lines are are going to have a really tough time getting off the field defensively.
0: Well, from your lips to God's ears uh, on that <laughs> one, um, that would make for a very entertaining Sunday. For me, that's for sure. Um, but like you said, I, my, my concern comes more on the defensive side for, for us after watching, I mean, granted, it was Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle that were doing all of the damage from from Tua, but what was troubling is that they were so wide open every single time that Tua got them the ball. It's not like they were making contested catches or anything like that. These guys were wide open uh, in the zone, and I don't know what it is Alan Williams thinks he's doing with the, the with that cover two zone that he's trying to run. I know that he, he's done a phenomenal job of keeping it all in front of you, which is what the cover two is designed to do, not to give up the big play right. uh, downfield. He's been outstanding at that. But it's still a pretty big play when a guy can make a five yard catch and turn it into a nineteen yard game. <laughs> right. So, you know, and that's what what uh Hill and uh uh Waddle did routinely uh right. against the Bears. Now I know you guys don't have a Tyreek Hill or a Jalen Waddle on your team right now, but Amon Ra St. Brown has been pretty good uh for you guys. He is I
1: guess what you would call your number one receiver right now, wouldn't he? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. And and not I'm not I don't mean that in any way of the slight of, of Amon Ra, but he's kind of Really, the especially after the trade of, of TJ, like he's really the only guy you got to worry about right now because yeah. your other guys are are, are Kali Freeman, who's probably a, a wide receiver four, but he's essentially going to be you know one of your outside guys. He's he's a short guy, so not really much of a deep threat. Um, like I said, uh, Josh, if Josh Reynolds can play in this game, it, it would help take some of the load off of um, Amon Ra, but it's not trending towards him playing. The fact that the Lions uh, re-signed, uh. Trinity Benson today is not a good omen he's a guy that they cut at the beginning of the year um, <laughs> Okay. yeah and you' the, the other guys are, are guys you've probably never heard of in, in, in Tom Kennedy um, and and James Mitchell's maybe like the X factor here. he's lines say fourth round pick either fourth or fifth round rookie pick got his first touchdown of his career last week. Um, Just kind of coming into his own, though, like he, he's still only playing about 15 to 20 snaps, um, but obviously getting a bigger role now that Hawkinson is out. So um, maybe maybe that's like the, the secret, the, the, the little secret weapon that the Lions are, are going to have this week is, is James Mitchell. But otherwise, no. like it, it really feels like the Bears defensive game plan has to be stop the run and stop out and and you should be fine.
0: Well, for me, what I think the Bears' main focus should be is what's been killing us lately is protect the middle of the field. Yes. Because yep. that's, that's where we've been getting, getting killed. CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, coming across the middle, killing us over and over and over again. So for me, if we protect the middle of the field and leave it outside with our corners, I think we'd be in pretty good shape. Jalen Johnson, one of the – you know top third quarters, uh, corners in the league. Uh, you know, Kyler Gordon coming into his own, Kendall Voldorf playing a little bit better. Uh, you know, he he's a fifth round pick working his way up uh, in the league and everything, but keeping it to the outside with those guys, I like a lot better than watching them run across the middle of the field, having guys like, well, what used to be Roquan, but now a guy, a, an undrafted rookie in, in Jack Sanborn trying mm-hmm. to run with those guys is a recipe for disaster. So, You know, I would tell you guys to attack the middle of the field, and I would hope the Bears are looking to protect the middle of the field because that's where you guys can eat all day. If you're watching film, attack the middle of the field, running game, passing game, because we're weak in the middle on the defensive line and our zone coverage is wide open in that space. So it's like just attack the middle of the field, and you guys would be able to, uh, you know,
1: win the third down conversion rate, which has been a disaster for the Bears. They're terrible at it. Well, that's—I mean, that's—that's that's good news for the Lions because they don't have anyone that can attack the perimeter right now. I think the the tallest, healthy receiver they have is six foot. Right. So, um, so yeah, yeah, maybe that maybe that's a good matchup that the Lions try to exploit. But again, like that also, it, I, I guess it, it's kind of—it feels like the game plan is clear for both defenses. It's just can they do it? Yeah. Stop. I mean, stop execution Field from running the ball. Yeah. Very. I mean, it's very clearly that's that's what this offense is surrounded by. Also very clear that it's not easy to do mm-hmm. with this Lions defense where with, with no or Lions offense with with no outside receivers and a good run game plug the middle of the field yeah. do the bears actually have the the personnel capable of doing that we'll see yeah we'll see maybe we can do it this week against the lions and
0: then pay for it the rest of the season we'll have to wait and see but uh, it'll all <laughs> take place this sunday
1: uh, uh at soldier field are you are you going to road games yet or are you still watching from home I'm mostly watching from home. Uh, I'll, I'll usually make one trip or two, but uh, no offense, Soldier Field is not high on my list of the stadiums <laughs> to go to. Have you been? I actually have never been. I know, I been. know it's a beautiful stadium. Like you, you want, want to know what's look- funny?
0: What's that? Me neither. Oh, really? Not since they rebuilt it, no.
1: Oh. I, I,
0: the last Bear game I attended in Soldier Field when tickets were still reasonable uh, was preseason 1994. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the other – and actually, I'm actually am not a really big fan of going to NFL games, to be honest yeah, with you. I understand I'm, that. I much prefer, as far as, like, going to a game, the college atmosphere.
1: Yeah. But oh, um,
0: going to a pro game, I've only seen the Bears play twice in that time in person. Once was in Detroit against the Lions, and the other one was in 2013 against the Rams in St. Louis. No. Uh, and they lost both games. So that also kind of like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't
1: watch them play live.
0: So – uh can you know. I pay
1: for your ticket this week then? <laughs>
0: uh, you know what? I've been tempted to ask, to be completely honest with you. you be like, man, <laughs> but also because, you know, you've been on my show going on eight years now and yeah. we've never met. So, True. Uh, you know, just looking for an excuse to make that happen at some point. So, you know, we'll one day, for sure. one of these days for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes down uh, on Sunday, mostly because we have units that we can't trust right and we know what those units need to do and it's going to be execution that comes down to whether or not uh or to decide whether who who comes away with the victory yeah. on sunday and i think that's what makes it exciting cuz like even though the bears are favored which is <laughs> few and far between these days <laughs> sure about uh, the bears being favored to do anything uh is is pretty good um you know the opportunity for it to go sideways on them is still there because you just can't trust that defensive unit. And you can only depend on, on Justin Fields and the offense to be able to crank out 30 points a game so many times before somebody stops them or slows them down or, or something uh, like that. So, um, you know, we're in a part of the schedule right now where we're playing winnable games. You know, we've got, we got the Lions this week. We've got the Falcons next week. They're tough, but that's winnable. The Jets, they're tough, but that's winnable. And then the Packers. Yeah. Tough, but winnable. So, I mean, if we can win all four of these things, we're a 500-football team.
1: Hey. You know, how about like, that? You, know? you can make
0: this NFC? That makes the playoffs. It does. It <laughs> does. Wouldn't that just be the craziest thing <laughs> of all time? But it's like on the other end of that bye, it's Philly and, Bo- and Buffalo waiting for mm-hmm. us. So it's yeah. like, yeah, there go the playoffs right there. So. <laughs> because starting with Green Bay, we're at home for the entire month of December. Oh, wow. Because we have Green Bay. By week uh philly at home buffalo at home before we come to you guys mm-hmm. to close out the road schedule and then come home week 18 uh to play the vikings to close out the year so f- five out of the last six weeks we're home including the bye week oh. and the entire month of december we never leave chicago wow so i
1: mean yeah it's a lot of cold football
0: it's a lot of cold football and uh i'm looking forward to it so uh We'll see, because a couple of years from now, uh, we could all be dumb teams in the NFC North. I mean, I know Green Bay will never do that, but, you know, <laughs> we build that new stadium in Arlington Heights. They're talking about – they said it will be a covered stadium. Oh, boy. It's not going to be open air. It's going to be a dome. So, that could be interesting. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, Jeremy, I'm going to go ahead and, and let you go, because, you know, this could get ugly between you and I. We'll be on the phone until <laughs> – until you know five six in the morning if we don't stop now but uh where can we keep up with uh with you guys uh in the meantime
1: yeah uh pride of detroit.com obviously is where all of our written content stands you can follow me at detroit online on twitter um if you like video content live streaming content we do a ton of stuff on our twitch page twitch.tv slash pride of detroit in fact november is a big month for us over there because we raise money for a charity for all of movember and you can get us to do a bunch of ridiculous things on, on the screen. You could get me to write things on my forehead. So like oh, you, if you want if you wanted to join us after the Bears game, let's say the Bears beat the Lions and you want to rub it in my face, if you donate twenty dollars to the Alzheimer's Association, you can you can say, Hey, write Bears rule, lions suck on my forehead, <laughs> and I'll do it. <laughs> I wouldn't
0: do that to you, Jeremy. I like you too much. I mean, maybe one of your co hosts or something like that, but but not you. Not you. <laughs> Hey, are you I'd still calling it, it the
1: PODcast, by the way? Uh, yes, but I think it's technically called something else if you search for it on, on Apple Podcasts. That's and all a good things. thing. I think it's just called Pride of Detroit, you know, but okay. yeah. we still refer to it as the PODcast.
0: Yeah, because, well, the PODcast is one thing, but it's like, try searching for the PODcast <laughs> right. on Google. It's like, right. the <laughs> podcast. It's like, which one? There are literally <laughs> millions of them, so... Yeah, it's like the most brilliant and the most idiotic name for yes. a podcast 100%. in the history of podcasts. It's like the most convenient. It's like P O D cast. That's brilliant. At the same time, it's like your show is called Podcast.
1: What are you guys doing? Love it. Absolutely love it. All I right. think that that's a really good like encapsulation of who we are as people. Like at times, we're brilliant, but also the stupidest people you'll ever see. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, it's, it's, we are painted with the same brush. It's like, we're right. brilliant, but we're stupid. Exactly. We're, 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 we're awesome content creators, but we root for the bears and the lions. I mean, right. it's gotta be a screw loose in there somewhere. You know what I'm exactly. talking
1: about? That's right. So,
0: all right, Jeremy, it's been a pleasure. We will uh, talk to you again, uh, week 17, brother. All right. Look forward to it later. Jeremy Reisman, gotta love him, love talking to that guy, love having him on the show, looking forward to week 17 as we, uh, that'll be on New Year's Day, we play that one uh, with the Lions in Detroit, should be an interesting ball game, see what's on the line at that point, see if, see if we're in a position where it's like, no, I want you to win, no, I want you to win, because we're tanking for better draft point, points or uh, places at this point, uh, but uh, anyway, look forward to having him back on the show. And uh, love talking to him. Uh, Follow him on Detroit on Lion at on Twitter, and uh, obviously you know is pride of Detroit uh, as well. So keys to the game to wrap up the Week Ten preview, and for me, it's pretty simple. Uh, the The three keys are this: avoid mistakes, protect the middle of the field on defense in the pass and the run, and be aggressive on offense. And on defense. So let's go back to it. Avoiding mistakes. And that's important in a game like this. And here's why. We cannot give a team like Detroit extra chances or give them, um, you know, for lack of a better term, hope or an emotional spark. You know, Dan Campbell's a very fiery guy. He loves to have his, his players riled up. And what would get these guys' juices flowing more than an early interception, a fumble recovery, you know something uh, in that regard, you know, blocking a kick, running a kick back, things like that. We can't have any of these miscues or mistakes uh, happening uh, in this ball game because this is a football game, one of the rare ones that we're going to have this year, where we're taking the field as the superior team. That's what was so aggravating about that win over Houston was like, I knew we were better than those guys, and we did not play like it pretty much the entire – it was like one of the worst games Justin Fields has ever had uh, for us, if not for, uh, you know, Khalil Herbert going bananas in that game with with his running running attack uh, and everything. Who knows how that game goes? I mean, because Montgomery got hurt, so Herbert had to take on, you know, the bulk of the – carries and everything and you know herbert went uh went batshit for us uh, and everything if if he is, doesn't do that i mean how how does that game turn out you know so it's we're the better team here and we can't give detroit any daylight that would get them in the ball game keep them in the ball game that kind of thing we just we have to be able to stamp them out early and often and that's where the be aggressive thing comes in as well I want Alan Williams to stop sitting back in the zone. I want him to attack, play some man defense. It's like the only guy that we really have to worry about as far as quote unquote hurting us is Amon Ross St. Brown. And, and I think that, you know, put Jalen Johnson on him or, you know, anything like that, maybe, I don't know, but just be aggressive, attack golf. He will make mistakes. He is a guy that can get rattled, go after him, take some chances, Try to make some big plays to get our guys juiced up on defense. Cause that's a unit that could use a boost. That's a unit that could use some juice. You know what I'm saying? And I, I just think that being aggressive on defense would be helpful, especially against a team like this. If, you know, say, well, think about like the opening drive for the Washington game. You know, we stuff him on first and second down in the run, and then on third down we send the house and tack. And before Carson Wentz is even at the end of his drop, he's being sacked by Jaquan Brisker. And he was—if if, if Brisker didn't get him, two or three other guys would have because we just caved in that offensive line on that play. That's the kind of aggression I want to see from Allen Williams early against the against the Lions. That's what I want to see. And then on offense, I want us throwing the ball down the field early and often. At, if, if for no other reason than to open up running lanes, not for Justin Fields, but for Montgomery uh, and Khalil Herbert, because they got bottled up pretty well. It's like Herbert only had like 20 something yards. Uh, Monty had 36 on 14 carries. It was Justin Fields that was the one pushing the Bears over 200 yards, uh, rushing for like the fourth straight uh, week. You know, if we were relying on Herbert and Montgomery to, you know, to extend that 200 yard, uh, you know, running streak we don't even we didn't even break 100 with those two guys. So open it up, get the the lions out of the box, get them off that line of scrimmage so that we can open things up for Monty and Herbert and balance out uh the offense. It's like we we need to be more balanced in the running game as far as, you know, you know, Montgomery and Herbert being the main runners and then Justin Fields being effective winning where he can as opposed to having to carry the offense on his back. So I think we come out, we throw in, get Chase Claypool more involved, get a few more 50-50 balls for him, get him down the field, find, uh, find that spot in the zone for, for Komet and for Mooney uh, and things like that, maybe give Ama um, uh, Equinemia St. Brown uh, a few looks in the beginning, try to build his confidence back up, show that we still need him and want to use him kind of thing, I think would be good for us. And then on defense, finally, the protect the middle of the, uh, protect the, middle of the field – you know, you you just heard me and Jeremy talking about it towards the end of the uh, conversation. There, it's like if if that's where you know if if that's if Detroit's looking to have success, if Alan Williams is going to sit back in that cover two zone that just attack the middle of the field all day long, you know we're also vulnerable, uh, you know in in you know in the middle of the defensive line uh, as well. You know, Justin Jones is is playing well, but Angela Blackson isn't, and you know haven't really seen much from, from Armand Watts since early in the, since that like 49er game uh, or anything, as far as like being super effective uh, in, in, you know, defending the run. So, you know, you attack that middle of the defense, you attack that middle zone in the, in the field, in the, the passing game, run Armand, Armon Ross St. Brown uh, slant routes across the middle. He'll catch a five yard pass and run for 15 yards before somebody catches him. Uh, kind of thing. We need to tighten that up quite a bit because that kind of feeds into the, you know, the, the avoid mistakes parts. And it, we, we got to get off the field on third down. I mean, we, we we were better against the dolphins. It didn't really feel like it probably because they were kicking our ass on first and second down mostly, but you know, they were five for 10 on third down. That's a lot better than the week before against the uh, Cowboys where they were nine of 10, nine of 11, one of the two. And you know, a few weeks before that 12 of 15 for the, uh, for the Vikings, it's like we're getting killed on third down. So we need to protect the middle of the field, get off the field on third down, give the ball back to our offense, let them do their thing. If we can do that, we will run Detroit off the field on Sunday. We absolutely will. So, you know, avoid the mistakes. Don't give Detroit extra chances. Don't give them any emotional boosts or, you know, charges or or anything like that. And conversely, if we can force some turnovers and force some mistakes – that will help us stamp that fire out early. You know, not saying that Detroit is quitters or, or, or anything like that, but emotionally, if you can put a team in an early hole, especially a bad team where, you know, there's the, the opportunity for, for them to have that here we go again feeling. It's like once that feeling takes hold, it would take a lot to get a team out of that, emotionally, especially. You just kind of feel this wave coming over the team. Not that they're quitting, not that they're giving up. But just like it feels like it's going bad, and then the next thing you know, it's it's you know, it's like quicksand. Before you know it, you've sunk in too far, and you you know, you're in over your head, kind of thing. So, I would uh, those would be the three keys to the game for me. And I think the Bears can do it. I think they will they will get it done. The defense, I'm worried about, but I think that on offense, we'll be fine. And um, you know, like I said last week, Justin Fields, we lost the game, but he didn't turn the football over you know three touchdown passes no picks no fumbles uh along with the you know the record setting rushing total and the touchdown so you know and like i said we've been doing well against very good defenses the last few weeks and we're playing a very bad defense this week so we're scoring 30 points a game against the bad defense or good defenses what can we do when that's legitimately bad so we'll have to wait and see on sunday i'm excited i can't wait so anyway guys That is going to do it. I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Come back on Monday. I'm going to review this game. And, um, you know, did we do these things? Did we let the the Lions hang around and take us out late? Or did we uh, jump out early and uh, stamp them out uh, like we should? So come back on Monday and find out. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been Bears Talk Underground.